0: This is Javier Peña, retired uh, D-agent. He worked on the show uh, from Netflix called uh, Narcos. We were the real guys, and uh, I'm very happy to be on the Mike Sapo podcast show.
1: Is this my pal, Agent Javier Peña? Yes, sir, this is. What's going on, bud? Thanks for calling in. No,
0: thank you. Hey, thanks for the invitation.
1: Now, this is the real Agent Javier Peña, not the actor from the hit show Narcos. I just want to clarify that, right, Javier? (laughs)
0: That is correct. Nothing. uh, Yeah, this is the real one. (laughs) Not the actor.
1: Now, Javier, every interview you do is just about Narcos and Escobar. Obviously, I want to talk about that. But I'm really curious as to why certain people get into the world of law enforcement. So for you, why the DEA and when did you join?
0: You know what? I I joined in uh, 1984. And you know what? Mine was totally a mistake. It was a fluke. Um, I was... uh, college graduating and on the of I was working for the sheriff's office and uh not making much money but you know I was 20 21 years old and then uh close to graduation I saw both on the both on our bulletin board you know how they used to post those uh, job announcements it says the sure. DEA's hiring and I had to ask a buddy of mine what what was DEA <laughs> I did not know anything about it but it was paying a little bit more than the sheriff's office and I applied, and uh, you know what, and I said, well, let me just do a couple of years, and uh, 30 years afterwards, I I think I liked it.
1: Now, what about the assignments before Columbia? What assignments did you have?
0: Yeah, I was uh, in Austin. Uh, That was my first job with uh, DEA, Austin, Texas, right out of the academy. And I got chosen to go there. I didn't ask for Austin. In fact, I wanted to get my uh, big city experience out of the way, Miami, L.A. or New York. I said, no, you're going to Austin. So Austin was a great assignment and uh basically i learned uh you know undercover work surveillances you know informants you know how you know how it is the mm-hmm. you know working two three days on you know learned the uh, you know i've learned the street uh you know narcotic stuff that was going on in austin texas at the time so then after four years you know I, I applied and you know what everything's been a mistake i applied <laughs> to mexico yeah not really i mean i applied uh, you know because you have to do four years you know working in the domestic so afterwards i applied and i want to go to uh mexico <laughs> and my boss comes in and says javier did you apply for uh Columbia? I said no sir I'm my, you know here's my paperwork for mexico well you got Columbia, <laughs> like I said, everything was like, uh, yeah, no, nothing was organized, basically.
1: Now, what were the early days of the DEA like? Like you said, you were in Austin. What Besides surveillance, what were those early days like?
0: It, it, it was, you know, I was learning. I didn't know anything about narcotics, so uh, I, I was learning the job. And, you know, the, you learn from the, from the bottom. You know, you do your long surveillances, you know, try to get an informant here and there. Uh, try to work cases basically when you start off you're helping other people out you know you're 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 the gopher. you're hey i need surveillances i need uh yes sir and you know and i was single at the time so i was doing a lot of uh the grunt work you know the the long surveillances the you know helping out other people once in a while you know i would get an informant and i started developing my own cases and uh you know, and I was helping out the the Austin Police Department, their narc unit a lot. So I, I was learning through that. It was just, uh, like I said, did not know anything about narcotics, so it was a learning experience
1: for me. Now you got four or five years on, you're assigned to Columbia. Did you go there on a mission, uh, like were you assigned from the DEA purposely for Pablo Escobar or just the Colombian drug trade no, at that point? no.
0: Just, uh, just, uh, I wanted to see because I was working. You know, I was seeing. Uh, you know, I like I said, four years, and I did a lot of uh, street work. A lot. Of, what do we mean by street work? A lot of your small buys, your are arresting your small uh, distributors. You know, uh, you're uh, working the streets. You know, undercover buying about a lot of heroin. Methamphetamine was very, very big. They used to call it crank um in Austin. And also we were still seeing the LSD uh days in Austin, Texas. So uh it was kind of unique. So you know, and then uh so I, I just wanted to see what the streets were like and then I always said, you know what, I wanna see how the bigger guys work and that's why, I, you know, I decided to go foreign. and when I got chosen for Columbia, you know, I always remember I got there in uh nineteen eighty eight. And uh, my boss at the time, was that was his first tour, and he had been my boss in Austin, Texas, uh, Joe talked He was in uh, San Antonio, and he was my overall boss. And then he got selected to be the uh, big boss in Columbia. So I knew him, he knew me, he knew my work ethic. And, uh, and it was just, no, uh, Columbia was just, I, I, I want to go there, work uh, Colombian traffickers, and uh, so, and I... Had no idea about Pablo Escobar at that time.
1: Now, when did Escobar get on your radar?
0: After I got there, I remember uh, my boss says, "Hey, uh, Javier, you're going to be working the Pablo Escobar case," and there was a senior agent uh, who was working it also. So we teamed up. But she was getting ready to leave uh, the country, and uh, you know, so all of a sudden, I started getting involved in that case. And uh, wow, it was it was about. Uh, I'd been there about a couple of months before I got to sign that case. And basically, uh, we learned uh, the hard way, but uh, it was, uh, he came on the radar. And like I said, I had never heard of Pablo Escobar, mm-hmm. never in my life until I got there. Then when we started investigating him, it was like his name was all over the place. You know, all the seizures in Miami, a lot in the uh, European countries, you'd always get back to the name of Pablo Escobar from many in Colombia.
1: Now so your reaction was pretty much nonchalant like okay I'll take care of this Escobar. Now when um did you get the idea of like holy crap this is the type of person we're dealing with like this is a heavy heavy name?
0: Yeah, yeah. After like you said about 3 4 maybe 5 months because of the seizures and then we started seeing the polit- the political situation arise where uh, Escobar basically de- declared war on colombia then we started seeing the violence that Pablo escobar was uh, responsible for the um, you know the presidential candidate and uh we started seeing the, the the car bombs and that's when we started realizing hey this guy's no ordinary trafficker this guy has an empire he was low-key at the beginning he, he i mean uh, there's even a uh, house that he had bought in Miami in the 1980s where he had signed his name, his name to the deed, you know, you know uh, properties, I think it's like $20 million property in in Miami. So he was, you know, and there's photos, there's evidence that he was coming to the United States, mm-hmm. uh, but it was not until the mid 80s that we realized that he had gone basically undetected, and uh, but then, like I said, he he rose to that level where uh, he basically challenged the country of Colombia, and then uh, that's when we realized, hey, this guy's no ordinary trafficker. You know, he has his own empire, and uh, the money he had accumulated, and uh, then the violence, and that's where I think I just. I never realized that a person could be capable of that type of violence that he had uh,
1: created. Now, how did you get involved with the Netflix show Narcos? Like, how would that even come about?
0: You know what? Uh, great question. You know, I mean, Pablo Escobar was killed in uh, 1993, right? <laughs> <That was> a <laughs> long time ago. <laughs> so... Uh, the executive producer from Netflix, uh, Eric Newman, called us up, and we were hesitant. We really didn't want to, you know, uh, do anything. We were doing presentations for DEA, one, two a year, how we, you know, coordinated, how how we did the investigation, because there were some new things that we uh that we initiated back then and uh, so we would tell the EA, hey this is the, what would work this is what did not work so anyway so the executive producer um, he flies out to Washington and uh, he has dinner with my partner I was I was I was in Houston Texas Steve was in Washington Steve was closer to retiring than I was and uh, so Steve met with him and uh we really didn't want to do it and we we turned him down and he basically says guys what 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 what's the problem and and you know what and and it, it was the problem was we told him we do not want to we're not in here to glamorize Pablo Escobar mm-hmm. so uh that was our main condition with Netflix is that you did not glamorize Pablo Escobar because he never should you know because there's a lot of people that glamorize him there's a lot of people think he's that Robin Hood uh, persona which uh we dispelled and uh, so and you know what eric newman nice guy we liked them we liked the writers and uh we told them we're going to tell you the real story and that's what they wanted they wanted the real story we tell them the real story and then they did whatever <laughs> and then they did whatever they wanted to do <laughs> so exactly what so contribution that, that's how it so, came about
1: so javier what contributions did you guys did you and murphy make to the show just tell them the whole story yeah the whole, the truth i mean we
0: we sat with them for about a week and we told them hey cuz i mean you know it's something that we lived and uh it's something that we uh that we were there. We were the guys who were assigned to the search block with the Medellin cops. And, uh, you know, and, and also before we get, you know, anymore, we, I mean, we, we always tell everybody, the audiences, the real heroes in all of this were the Colombian National Police, not us. They were the heroes. We were there. We assisted them. We helped them. So we knew everything that was going on. I mean, the, the history, I mean, I, I studied Escobar. Like I said, I was there in 88. So I knew all of the, you know, the Sicarios, like uh, I said, the bombing, why he started the war. Uh, so we told them all of that. And you know what, uh, uh, I, I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself, but you know, Netflix did a good good story. I, and then, like I told people, there's a lot of Hollywood in there. Mm-hmm. However, the, uh, the timeline is, is accurate in, in the show. And, uh, and one of the things that the show did not portray accurately was it was more dangerous in real life than what portrayed in the show it was more more violent.
1: Which, Javier, that's crazy to think of it because I think you use the word narco-terrorist. He was a flat-out terrorist, and yeah. I've been down to Columbia on vacation, and it's so hard to imagine the bombings and the killings. And then hearing you say it was worse than what the show portrayed, that's mind-boggling. Yeah.
0: Right. it It is. And, you know, we, we call Pablo Escobar, uh, you know, we labeled him the inventor of narco-terrorism because first time, I think, in history that, you know, narcotic trade, that we started seeing car bombs, you know, 10 to 15 car bombs on, on a daily basis. We started seeing the assassinations of police officers, bounties on police officers, something we never had heard of. There's bounties on a, on a cop, you know, or, you know, sicarios uh i remember you know i mean uh when i debriefed a couple of them they were telling us that you know what they they would get paid money you know at the end of the day hey i killed two or three cops i get so much money you know they pay me so it it, it was that that, i mean who, who who thinks of that and then like you said the the car bombs and the assassinations of political figures. Who kills the next president of Colombia, Luis Carlos Galan? That one, and I think that's what really uh, broke the camel's back when they killed the next president. I mean, he was winning; he was going to be the next president. And while he's out on campaign, and Pablo Escobar hated him because you know the next president was a guy named Luis Carlos Galan. And he was for extradition, and that's one thing that Pablo Escobar hated was extradition. So he had the next president of Colombian killed. So, yes, it was an eye-opener. It, it was barbaric uh, type of a world. Uh, you know, you'd see the innocent people. You saw the commercial. We saw a bomb on a commercial airline placed by Pablo Escobar. So, yeah, it, it, it was. It's It's terrorism and like you said we weren't used to it we never realized what was going on and it it was how do you fight a person who is committing all this type of terrorism
1: it, it's sickening so it
0: was it was it was new new for us
1: were you happy generally then with the way the show came out yeah
0: yeah of course i mean you know there's you know no one's going to watch There's there's no you know, show business, you know, on the show, there's, there's a lot of Hollywood and, uh, you know, look, if you look at my character, and, uh, <laughs> you know, and I'll tell you a lot of people think, uh, you know, the first question is, Pena, why were you dirty? I tell them, you know what? If I was dirty, I'd be getting out of prison right about now. So.
1: Yeah, after uh, 30 years, you'd be getting out just about now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. And I tell them guys that's you know, there's a lot of show business, you know, my character's portrayed, I think, uh, you know, a little bit of a womanizer. Although, uh, Javier, Javier, that was know. my
1: next question. I said, you're portrayed as a, obviously a hard worker, but also a ladies' man and a partier. Were you that smooth back in the day with the women of Colombia? <laughs>
0: You, you know what I, I tell people I, I wish that would all be true, man. I wish it would have happened, <laughs> but uh, but you know what I was single, you know, and I was a lot slimmer, you know. Uh, but anyway, I had girlfriends, but they weren't informants, they weren't far, they weren't you know. They, uh, I was a hard worker, and you know, when I was off, I, I did party, I know, like to, you know, go out, socialize, and uh, so uh, you know, I I did have a good time, but not the way you know the show portrays it but i tell people if you like it and you believe in it then it is true so
1: (laughs) (laughs) now obviously i know about law enforcement the show was made for tv like you said so there was non-stop excitement and action but what was the downtime like for you murphy and the dea down in columbia when you weren't chasing escobar because that was like the end of it the focus was escobar what was the downtime like there
0: yeah, the, the the downtime. I mean, basically, uh, I mean, we were the, the the problem is we were living with with the police. We called it was the called the search block. It was an old police base, and uh, it, we had a certain group of cops working uh, with us, and they were handpicked. At the beginning, we had a lot of corruption because we you know we didn't know we we had some cops who were on Escobar's payroll, which made it a little bit more uh, difficult. Uh, and a lot of people don't know, but even Escobar, I mean, how would he think? You know how one of them, and I could never believe, he hired a cook who used to cook for us, you know, at the base, mm-hmm. and you know, she, you know, I mean, about three months, she was great. You know, the head cooked, and all of a sudden, one night, everybody started getting sick. It turned out she was working for Escobar And she tried to poison us. Come on, really? Yeah. I mean, who thinks of stuff like that? Everybody got sick, nobody died. But, you know, the intent was to poison everybody, uh, the police. I mean, wow, that that just shows, I mean, like I said, that creativity, that bad creativity Escobar had. So, uh, but anyway, like I said, the the downtime, uh, we'd go back to Bogota because we lived with a cop. Steve was married uh so he had his wife i was single you know we'd go there get our reports done and and get right back to uh Medellin. I remember once in a while we would try to, you know on our weekends hey guys i i gotta go recharge uh you know and the same thing embassy i mean embassy life in a foreign country you know we'd all get together the u.s people you know barbecues you know have dinners parties uh but then we'd have to go right back uh to uh, Medellin. And, uh, you know, I mean, I spent a a couple of Christmases in Medellin at the search block uh, because we didn't, you know, we couldn't leave. So downtime was just catching up on paper, paperwork, and you know how that is. And then, uh, but getting back uh, to Medellin because everything was, there was a lot of stuff going on. And obviously, you know, Escobar Uh, surrendered in 91, then the escape, and that's when it really uh, got uh, got more serious after he escaped is when we really uh, started uh, just uh, living in Medellin with our counterparts.
1: How frustrating was that, the arrest? He builds the cathedral. So you kind of think, okay, this chapter of the Escobar narcos run is closed. And then he escapes. And then for another year or two, he's out on the right. run. How frustrating was that for you guys? Because yeah, the violence, right. Javier, was that, that getting was worse and worse.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and let me just touch on on the surrender. I mean, that was, wow. That was, I'll never forget that. One of our worst days because of all the people he killed. Innocent people for being at the wrong place at the wrong time. All the, I had a lot of police officer friends of mine that were killed uh the the good politicians the good people like you said the car bombs and then all of a sudden when he works out that deal it's basically you know it's we had lost and he had won and i'll never forget that wow i saw him getting a chopper uh a helicopter with the sicarios and uh there was a catholic priest on that helicopter also because of all the money escobar was given to the catholic church uh you know so they took off and i always remember that it was like wow we lost you know all those killings for nothing and we knew he he had built his own prison we knew it wasn't going to be a real prison and i think that was proven after his escape so it was a feeling of you know what uh, that's okay we, we lost basically just chalk it up to but you know so when he escaped from the prison wow! that was another, that was one of the happiest, <laughs> another happy day of my life because we had a ch- had another chance at getting him and this time we knew we couldn't fail uh, and i think uh after he's escaped and after we find out the prison which was no prison it was a country club setting you know the, the party she was doing the wow i mean there's a lot of stuff that happened at that prison you know the like I said, the sex parties. Women were—I always remember—with letters writing him, "Hey, look at my daughter. Here's a picture of her. Please, I want her to visit you." I mean, it was just sick, you know. You know, he was just idolized by a lot of crazy people. But you know, and then, uh, like I said, uh, the prison was just a facade. It was just a country club setting, and uh, you know, then we find out he had built—we call them chalets. On the side of the mountain behind, I mean, there were camouflages. He had apartments, <laughs> little <laughs> houses on the side of the prison. With And you know what? He had the biggest TVs, and at that time, you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> biggest refrigerators. My question is, how did he get all this stuff up to the side of the mountain, you know, uh, without anybody knowing, you know? so And also, there was a... You know, part of the surrender was nobody could come and visit him or get close to the prison. So we did not really know what was going on until the escape, and we realized this is a facade.
1: I hate to talk about your storied career in, like, two, unquote, seasons of Narcos, but season two was solely focused on, like, the hunting of Pablo Escobar. Tell me about the last days of Escobar. And now, Javier, I know you weren't there physically, but take me through that last day or two of Escobar.
0: Yeah. The last day of Pablo Escobar was really, like you said, it was a great job by the Colombian National Police. Uh, there's a lieutenant. His name is uh, Hugo Martinez. His dad, Colonel Hugo Martinez, was the boss of the search block. The lieutenant was his son. I mean, and yeah, he, was, he was always tech. Type of a guy you know uh, practicing on on the electronic surveillance practicing they would go out and do practice runs and he was getting he was getting good so and it was rudimentary type of equipment uh, because we didn't have the phones it was radio telephones so the last day of Pablo Escobar and if you know uh, just real real quick Pablo Escobar was trying to get his family out of Colombia. He was so afraid of a group called Los Pepes, which was a vigilante group of a uh, right-wing uh, death squad. They were made up of uh, of criminals. Pablo Escobar killed their bosses. A guy banema of Moncada and Gallano. So the underling uh, traffickers got together and they were trying to get rid of Pablo Escobar. They're trying to kill his family. So Escobar was trying to get him out of Colombia, and uh, so uh, they're, anyway, they go to a certain country, they're turned back, and that last day, That it, it's it's electronic uh, uh, surveillance, and it's the Colombian National Police who actually, you know, pinpointed him, and, you know, they located him, and we know the history, you know, Al Escobar lost that day.
1: Now, where were you when he was uh, when he was killed?
0: I was in Miami. I was in Miami. I was uh, had to go talk to uh, to an informant, and uh, so uh, and also, Michael, I, I don't want us, you know, give us because you know we we do our our presentation, so we tell people, hey, come out and see our presentation, <laughs> and you'll hear all the the all juicy you know details. What. But anyway, I wasn't there. I was. I was just. I was happy it happened. It was a relief. I mean, it was uh, this guy needed to to go down because of all the people that he killed. And, I mean, he went down, you know, shooting at the police. The police were the ones who who shot him. And it was a Columbia National Police operation. They deserve the credit. And they're the ones who were the real heroes in all of this.
1: Now, Javier, over time, he's been glorified, like you said, romanticized by many, even still to this day by a few. What was like a, a normal day? In Escobar's heyday down there in Colombia, was everyone just always on edge, not knowing when the next attack would happen or what police officer would be killed next?
0: Yeah, the, the daily, wow, well, um, it, it, it was rough. It was, and, and I tell people, just being at the wrong place at the wrong time. We'd mount up, mount up to go on operations and there'd be car bombs, you know, on the side of the, you know of the road because he knew we were coming uh you couldn't trust uh informants you couldn't trust anyone you you know because i mean you know escobar had uh, a lot of people working for him it was paying a lot of money so you're always on edge you were always being careful trying to you know hey you know what's uh if we go over there you know let's We need to do some, you know, pre-surveillance first, make sure it's not a setup. So, yeah, it it was tough. And like you said, every time it was to expect the unexpected, basically.
1: I'm very close friends with our Robert O'Neill. He's the Navy SEAL who killed Osama bin Laden. He's been on my show a ton. He lives two blocks from from the studio. We're always together. And... After the right. Bin Laden rage, uh, Bin Laden raid, he kills Bin Laden. A few weeks later, he's on a new mission. So after Pablo Escobar's death, what happened to you? Did you stay in Colombia? I know you mentioned you did thirty years. Until, so
0: yes, uh, after yeah after his death, I stayed there for about eight more months. Then I got transferred and uh, ended up in uh, Puerto Rico. And I got promoted to a, a group supervisor, which is like a sergeant in a police group. So I had the task force in uh, in Puerto Rico. And you know what? I told people that was just as dangerous as Colombia. <laughs> in Puerto Rico, we were dealing with all the, uh, you know, crooks, turf war. You know, they would shoot, you know, at the caserios, the public housing. I mean, it was something that was... Uh, so anyway, I did about three years there. Then I went up to Washington and... Uh, uh, so, uh, I, you know, what? I, I had a great career. You know, uh, did 30 years and um, got to reach, uh, I, you know, the the highest levels of DEA. I um, got to be, uh, it's, you know, SES senior executive service, which is hard to achieve. There's only so many positions. You know, the the next position is appointed by the president. So I I, I reached the highest levels of DEA I was the senior the special agent in charge in San Francisco in uh, Puerto Rico and in when I was in Puerto Rico we covered the Caribbean you know so all the island countries and then I retired out of Houston so I had a great career no complaints and like I said Netflix came up it was an opportunity I had just retired uh so uh and, and uh, they came up with the idea, the Netflix people, and uh, and I'll be honest, I didn't think people would watch it. I didn't think anyone was going to watch it, you know, and I was <laughs> <laughs> pleasantly surprised.
1: Now, you, you just mentioned a few minutes ago about your tour, so tell me about the site. It's DEA Narcos, so tell me about the site and what you and Agent Murphy are up to these days, because you're touring all over the world, actually.
0: Yeah, we're touring and we tell the real story. I mean, we get hired and it's uh, www.deanarcos.com and people can reach out. And, you know, we, uh, yeah, we're touring and and we tell the real story and we incorporate, you know, the Netflix and uh, the real, you know, story. And we call it, it's it's a lesson in history, it happened. And, uh, so, uh, we're, we're having fun it's a, it's a great retirement job. And, uh, you know, so people want to know, and, uh, you know, we have our, uh, uh, calendar, uh, on our website and we encourage people, please. And if there's an opportunity, opportunity, you want us to talk to a group,
1: uh, we'll be there. Hey, uh, do you have any plans to come to the Big Apple in 2019?
0: Well, I think we do, we do, so I will let you know. Uh, so uh, we will be, uh, you know, uh, keeping in touch.
1: All right, Javier, I'm going to hit you with a few quick questions. You ready? Yeah, okay. Okay, okay. Uh, a few quick ones. I usually ask this to all my guests because a lot of them times they're athletes or celebrities, but I'm going to give you a two-parter. If you and I are out, who's, okay. who's either the coolest person in your phone that you can text that would text you back, but also with you— Who's the coolest person that has reached out to you and said they love the show?
0: Uh, Wow, that's a a great question. Uh, I think I can uh, text uh, Pedro Pascal. He he was just a a great guy. Just a downturn. I see him in a lot of movies. And... uh, there's uh it, there's been a couple of people who we never realized that uh, uh love uh, the show uh, uh so and now some are politicians and some are uh, well known people but yeah we we do have a lot of people and I hear from friends hey this person you know who's up on uh, Capitol Hill loved <laughs> Narco. so it, it's been good you know so uh, it, it's it, we're we're excited.
1: I don't know if this is going to sound morbid or not, but any memorabilia or anything you kept from Escobar or your time in Colombia?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, we have a lot of our, uh, you know, and when we do our presentation, we got photos that, that have never been seen, so we put them in our presentation. And, uh, yep, yeah, I, I kept a couple of, uh, you know, some of us wanted posters, you know, stuff like that, so.
1: Have you been back to Colombia since you left there or as a member of the DEA? Yes. Yes, I have. and
0: Yes, I have. And it's a great country. And we encourage people to go visit. It's safe. Uh, the police in Colombia is a model police where other countries are looking at them. And it's just a big, uh, I think uh, there's a lot of tourism mm-hmm. going back to Colombia. And we encourage people. It's not like it was back then. It's very safe. It's beautiful. The Colombians are great people. And again, the the heroes in all of this were the Columbia National Police search walk, Colonel Martinez and his guy.
1: Did Pablo Escobar ever know your name or Agent Murphy's name?
0: Yes, yes he did. Yes he did. And uh so we, we get into that in when we do our presentation.
1: But yeah, but he, he knew our names. And the last thing, partners in law enforcement, it's like a marriage. It can be really difficult. I know you and Murphy what? are touring together now. You guys still close and have like you stayed close the whole time? He, yeah, no,
0: after we, we he left, he went somewhere else, and we never crossed paths. I mean, but we talked. We mm-hmm. saw each other, but we never worked together. And now I think, you know, we see other more than we, we <laughs> want to. <laughs> Every week we're like, oh, man, yeah. So, but it's been great. Day. We, we have fun, and uh, we encourage people to come out and, and see our show.
1: And this is it. I was uh, with my fiance. She never watched this show. So we actually have two more episodes left of season two. And she asked me Got last it. night. Okay. She asked me last night, do you think they really wanted him alive or dead? I don't know if you can want to talk about that, but your, the final question I have for you is, did you want him alive, captured, or did you just want him finished, we'll say?
0: Yeah. You know what? That's a great question. And deep down, I knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, deep down, I knew. And you know what? I'm, I'm, I don't want to sound, but we knew he wasn't going to go down. a hey, I I give up. Because... Uh, there was no more deals. There was no more surrender. Uh, all I can say is I'm happy with the outcome. I mean, he did kill a lot of innocent people, and uh, it was just uh, you know victory for the world after uh, he was killed.
1: The site is deanarcos.com. Agent Pena, this was an absolute blast. Yes, thank you for your service, and thank you for coming on my show, man.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. I'll look you up next time I'm there.